The views expressed on The Pickleball Show are not necessarily those of the USAPA. The Pickleball Show is the official podcast of the USAPA dedicated to growing the sport of pickleball around the country. Show your support and become a USAPA member today. Visit USAPA.org. From Bainbridge Island to the villages. Pickleball is one of the fastest growing sports in America. Buckeye to Abbotsford. Time out, baby, yeah! St. George to Rochester and all points in between. If you've heard of pickleball or you already play it, then you know. This is the Pickleball Show. Hello, my name's Wayne Mugley, pickleball lover, and here's the host of the Pickleball Show, Chris Allen. Thank you, Wayne, and welcome to the show dedicated to helping you play better pickleball while having even more fun and meeting new friends who share your passion for this great sport. My name is Chris Allen, and I'd like to thank you for joining us today and also thank everyone who has been sharing the links to the show via social media and telling uh, other folks who play in your local club about the pickleball show we really really do appreciate your support going up to madison wisconsin today joined by a defending u.s open men's doubles champion and a three-time national champion also won the 35 plus at nationals just a few weeks ago along with enrique ruiz of course i'm talking about the one and only dave weinbach dave thank you for joining me today on the pickleball show Chris, great to be here. Uh, I'm glad we could finally uh, make it happen after uh, trying to find a time for about three months now, my friend. I so much enjoyed the uh, insight that you gave in the previous episode and wanted to continue that. Let's go over the dinking real quick. We alluded to it a little bit in the previous episode. Go ahead and do a little recap for us real quick. Sure. You know, when, when we actually start our clinics, I start everybody on the kitchen line. So I start with dinking and the importance of using thinking and the soft game to set up the opportunity for the kill shot. So when we talk about thinking, we really want to have people all the way up to that kitchen line, Chris, and not only all the way up to the line, but leaning forward, leaning in towards the net. Because when you do that, it puts added pressure on your opponent to have to hit a really good dink. And if you're leaning in, and your opponent hits a dink that's a little bit too high or floats just a ball too high, it's much more easier to attack that ball if you're leaning in on the balls of your feet. That's the first thing is positioning. Secondly, we always want uh, our students to make contact with the ball in front of their body. So we call it the impact zone. We always want the players to hit the ball and make contact in front of their body. We don't want to let a ball get even to the side of our body and never behind us. We always want to get the ball in front of our body. So the game takes place in front of you. If it's equal to your body or, like you said, behind, then you know chances are you're having to dig it out. The point's probably going to be over because even if you get it back, it's going to be a weak return and then they're going to put it away. Exactly, exactly. A common phrase that I like to use in the game is good things happen when you get the ball in front of you. Bad things happen <laughs> when the ball gets behind you. I like that. That's good. <laughs> now, some when you're talking about uh, leaning forward at the, at the non-volley zone line, I could 
hear people listening to that and and they're thinking, well, if I see somebody obviously leaning forward, you know, hungry for this little dink that I'm going to, you know, feed them, I'm just going to lob them. I'm going to, because their their weight's already leaning forward. They're not going to be able to catch my lob if I, uh, you know, put it over their heads. What's, uh, what's the best, I guess, way to defend against that? And that's exactly how you should teach it. When you do see someone leaning in a lot, like after you've had a dink or two, and you see that person leaning in, that is when you do want to execute a lob shot because all their weight is going forward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my advice to, to folks that, because uh, I get that question a lot is, you know, what do you do when people lob you? And the first thing I try to teach is to take the lob out of the air if you can. We okay. don't want to let that ball bounce behind us if you can. Once it bounces, then you lost the advantage you had in that specific point. If you can't take the ball out of the air and it does happen to bounce on a very effective, let's say, deep lob, then what I like to see people do, which is what hardly ever happens, (laughs) is most people get back there. Most people get back there, Chris, and they just rip a ground stroke or they'll lob it back. Mm -hmm. What I try to have people do is and it's not the easiest shot. It takes practice. But run that lob down and then hit a drop shot into the kitchen. And that allows you and your partner to come back from the baseline to get all the way back up to the non-volley zone line where you have to be to play winning pickleball. Right. So that's what I try to teach is if it does bounce and you can't take that lob out of the air, I like to see people get back there and drop that shot into the kitchen and then work your way back to the kitchen line where you have to be. So really only two options. If you can take it in the air, go ahead and smash it. If you can't take it in the air and you have to let it bounce, the only option is really a drop shot or what some people would call a third shot drop. I think that's the most effective way to do it because that shot allows you and your partner to get from the baseline back to the kitchen line where you have to be to play winning pickleball. Makes sense. And it took me a long time because I was one of those people for the longest time and probably, and I'm sure people that play with me is like, hey, what do you mean? What you know, was one of those people? You probably still are one of those people. Um, I would hit the, I would drive it. If somebody lobbed on me, I would, if it bounced, I would drive it back. But it took, you know, maybe a few dozen times of just getting burned where they would just stick their paddle out and go doink. And it would just, you know, I was back at the baseline and then they just, you know, it's right into the kitchen and I can't get to it. And I finally told myself, I said, you're actually playing two games here. You're playing a time game and a space game. And you know, yeah, technically you you won the space game in terms of you got the ball back over the net successfully, but you totally lost the time game because you didn't give yourself enough time to get back up to the net. That's correct. You lost the time game and you lost the advantage because now the other team is at the non-volley zone. And if you drove that ball after you chased down that lob, if you drove that ball, a good player is going to volley that ball in the last third of the court and they're going to pin you and your partner mm-hmm. back on that baseline and now you've lost the advantage with high level players the team at the non-volley zone line is going to win 90 plus percent of those points versus the team that gets pinned back on that baseline 
And that's why I don't like to drive that ball or re-lob that ball. I really want folks to learn to drop that in the kitchen and then get back up to the non-volley zone where you have to be to play effective pickleball. That's great advice because I think that's stage two because, you know, after I got burned a bunch of times driving it, my mind said, well, okay, you're losing the time game. You need to buy yourself some time. Oh, I know. I'll just lob it right back to him. And that was, you know, yeah. my, my next attempt was, and I would lob it and then I would get up to the line and what would they do? Smash it at me and then boom, then I've lost the space game. You know, because because yep. I'm up at the line and I and, you know, they just would hit it at my feet or they just you know, hit it so hard I couldn't uh, get a shot back. So, yeah, I exactly. reluctantly couldn't agree with you more because it's, it is the hardest of the three shots to make. And that is the, the soft shot into the kitchen and then get back up. And we'll line. actually we'll actually do that drill in our clinics and in, in our private lessons where I'll hit two dinks with somebody lob over their head and make them chase it down and practice that drop shot from behind the baseline because it's not an easy shot, but with practice, you can do it. Just like the third shot drop. It's not the easiest shot in pickleball, but in my opinion, it is by far the most important shot in pickleball is that third shot drop because if you can hit an effective third shot drop, that's the shot that enables you and your partner get from the baseline to the kitchen line where you got to be to play winning pickleball. Yet people don't practice it enough, Chris. Yeah, I know I don't. Well, here's the thing that I struggle with, and it's sort of the love-hate relationship that I have with drilling. I feel like that two-thirds of the mistakes that I make aren't technical mistakes in terms of I meant to hit this over the net and it went into the net. Two-thirds of my mistakes are shot selection mistakes. And sometimes I feel like with drilling, I feel like, well, okay, great. Now I can hit the wrong shot really well. You know what I mean? Yep. It's not that I, you know, a third of the time, yeah, it is that. It was it was the time to hit a third shot drop and I missed it. But two-thirds of the time, it's I hit hard on the ball when I should have been hitting soft. I hit soft when I should have been hitting hard. That's part of the education of a pickleball player is understanding the risk reward of every shot. One of the phrases that we try to teach early on is we want to be the team that hits the descending blow. We want to make our opponents always have to lift the ball. You see so many people out there, whether it's their dink or a third shot drop is they start that ball or they aim that ball, just a ball or a ball and a half over the net. Mm -hmm. And you've got to give yourself some more margin for error. You don't need to aim the ball, just a ball over the net. Cause if you aim just a ball over the net, what inevitably is going to happen a lot is you're going to make net errors. Yeah. And that violates the number one rule of pickleball. And that is respect, respect the net. The net. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. N-E-T. Respect the net. We have people singing that in our clinics. Give yourself some more margin for error over the net on your dinks and on your third shot drops. Because remember, when a pickleball loses its speed, what does it do? Chris, it comes straight down. Mm -hmm. Remember I asked uh, Matt Staub in a previous episode, I said, you know, watching his videos, it seems like his drop shots seem to be higher 
than what I see most people hitting. And I said, is that a trick of the camera or is that, would you say that that's true? And he said, oh, I'd absolutely say it was true. Um, that he, he wants to build in that cushion and he would rather make sure that it absolutely goes over and then he'll deal with it if it, you know, if it comes back um, rather than hit it into the net. Absolutely. That's a philosophy that I'm a huge believer in. I, I want people to start those third shot drops, you know, a good three to five feet over the net. You know, as we said in the previous session, I'll tell my partners, if you hit it a little too high and someone rips it at me, I still have a good chance to get it back. If you hit it in the net, I cannot help you. Both Matt and Brian do a terrific job of not only uh, hitting the third shots, but they're excellent teachers yeah. of the third shot. If you watch where the apex of the ball is on their third shot drops, in the way I, I teach it is uh, very similar, is I want the apex of the third shot drop to basically be at the non-volley zone line on my side of the net. Okay, so the That's highest point the, the ball apex. reaches. That's where the highest point of the ball should be. Mm-hmm. So all the way into the kitchen, it's kitchen, it's descending in and then over the net, and then it bounces. And some people will say, "Well, geez, you know, it's going to bounce too high, but you'll you'll just deal with it if it comes back. At least you you got it over, and you've got time to move up, and then you'll deal with it, right?" That's right. It's all about consistency. And if you watch some of the best players in the country in terms of uh, who have the best third shot drops, watch the clearance that they get with that ball over the net. They mm-hmm. give themselves what I call margin for error, mm-hmm. and they give it some more room. And we spend a lot of time teaching that in our clinics because the error that you can't make is in the net. You must respect the net. I think some people, myself included, kind of in the in the you know three five to four five range, maybe we're trying to pick apart the shot too much. I mean, yeah, if it's obviously way too high, but a lot of us are standing there, you know, just really wanting to dissect this shot. Like, ooh, is it is it you know six inches too high or is it this? We're standing there too long, trying to dissect just the minute little you know is it good enough shot right. and. Right. And by then, by the time we've figured it out, the advantage or you know the opportunity to move up is already gone. You know, oh yeah, that was a pretty good one. I yeah, I could have moved in on that, but now I got to stay back anyway because you know because the time. And that comes with experience. It comes with experience, Chris. The recognition you have to recognize pretty early on in that third ball is it good enough to come in on? Because if it is, you've got to get all the way to the non-volley zone. I don't like to teach where you only get halfway. I never want to be halfway to the kitchen line. So you're either at the baseline or you're at the non-volley zone line. Either way, there's a line in front of your feet. Exactly. If you get if you get stuck in what we call no man's land or this transition area, mm-hmm. uh, A, you've opened up angles for your opponent. B, they can hit it down at your feet. And C, it makes your shot into the kitchen much harder if you're in that transition area than if you are all the way to the uh, non-volley zone line. So I don't like to see people get stuck in that transition area or that no man's land area. If it's a good enough third shot, get all the way to the kitchen line. That's what I was going to ask. Do you ever, I mean, so you're either you're either going all the way or you're not going at all. Yes, I don't want to get stuck in that transition area because 
only bad things can happen when you're in that spot. Okay. They can hit it at your feet. They have angles where they can go down the middle mm-hmm. or angle it off to the side. And it's a very hard shot from that middle zone, you know, that transition zone to deaden the ball into the uh, kitchen yeah. of your opponent. So that's a really tough area to be in. Now, for the 5-0 players, most 5-0 players have that shot. They can deaden that ball mm-hmm. from that transition area into the kitchen and then come all the way in. But, you know, that's only for the, the real elite players that can do that. I don't teach that. I want the players to get all the way to that kitchen line. So you're not taking two shots to get to the kitchen. You're either getting there in one or you're still going to stay back in the baseline. Correct. Gotcha. All right, interesting. Because a lot of you know, a lot of people teach, all right, you can get halfway there and the next shot you can buy yourself the other half and then before you know it, you're at the kitchen. And But you don't want to play that game. No, because good players will make you pay if you get stuck halfway there. Good players are going to make you pay. They're going to drive the ball at your feet. They're going to angle the ball off the uh, to the side of the court or down the middle, and they're going to make or they're going to make your shot really, really, really tough. So as people get better and rise up the ranks of pickleball, it's not an area that you want to get stuck into that transitional zone. When you're up at the line, when are the times that you will come off the line? When will you move back? <laughs> One of my uh, phrases, and I laugh because I use this uh, a lot in, uh, in the clinics, is in pickleball, good things happen when you move forward. Bad stuff happens <laughs> when you go backwards. Uh-huh. When you go backwards, Chris, other than chasing down a lob, I never, ever want to go backwards. The, the way I teach it is three really bad things happen when you go backwards in pickleball. Number one, it opens up angles for your opponent. Mm-hmm. Number two, it allows your opponent to drive the ball down at your feet, which make it very, very difficult for you to hit an unattackable ball back to them. And the third thing is, when you go backwards, it puts your partner in a very awkward spot because they're thinking, well, do I stay at the kitchen line or do I move back? So... I really, really urge people to stay up at the kitchen line and don't go backwards very much in pickleball. Bad things happen in racket sports, whether it's tennis, table tennis, racquetball. You want your weight going forward Mm. at impact. Mm. Don't want to move backwards in racket sports. Bad things happen when you go backwards. <laughs> Something tells me that we've just scratched the surface in the uh, the Dave Weinbach School of Pickleball. I think that there's a lot more here that uh, the listeners would love to hear from you. And I would uh, just look forward to talking with you again and, and uh, finding out some more of your philosophy if you would be open to it. Absolutely. Uh, Really enjoy uh, spreading the pickleball love, Chris. You can hear the enthusiasm and the passion in your voice and your love of the game. And I know that you're going to be spreading that love around the country. You're going to be traveling here pretty soon, aren't you? Going to spread the pickleball love there in Southern Arizona. Last month, we had a really fun clinic down at Chicken and Pickle 
in oh, Kansas, Kansas City. Oh, Kansas City. Yeah, I've heard great things about that. Mickey Collins was talking about it. Rocket yeah. was talking about how he was he was amazed when he walked in there. That looked great. Yeah, you know, my, my friend Andy Ginch from Overland Park, Kansas, in that area, he and this group uh, has done a fantastic job in this very unique facility for indoor courts, for outdoor courts, a beer garden, building a high-level restaurant with live entertainment on the roof. This is a trend that uh, we are going to see a lot more of across this country oh, I sure and maybe hope the so. world. And it all started in Kansas City. So Andy organized a clinic there. Kyle uh, Yates flew in from Florida. I flew down from Madison and we had a 65 to 68 people at the clinic and then had a great tournament uh, over the next couple of days down there had uh, a super field and over 180 players uh, down at chicken and pickle so we hope to do that every year and uh you didn't get to get there uh this year folks uh, trying to add that on your calendar next year that's a lot of fun that sounds like a destination that is definitely a place you want to check out yeah we'll uh, we'll link to them in the in the show notes here and uh, we'll certainly look forward to talking with you again dave and thank you so much My pleasure, and uh, thanks for having me, Chris. And we'd like to thank you for joining us today as well. Hey, have you gotten your copy of the top 10 tips from Pickleball's three greatest coaches? Coach Mo, Deb Harrison, Prame Carnot, all together in one quick study guide that will definitely take your game to the next level. It's absolutely free. You don't need a credit card. All you need is an email address. Just head over to freepbxclub.com. That's freepbxclub.com. We'll send it right out to you. Also, head over to iTunes. Hit that subscribe button. You'll never miss an episode of the Pickleball Show. Plus, if you feel it's appropriate, leave us a five-star review, which boosts us up in the rankings and makes it a lot easier for other pickleball players around the world to find this show. I'm Chris Allen. This is the Pickleball Show. And until next week, keep them low. The Pickleball Show is brought to you by PBX Club. PBX stands for Pickleball Excellence. Join today and get the latest pickleball tips and strategies, news, and opinion. Save money on paddles and other equipment with coupon codes to online pickleball retailers. Get travel discounts to tournaments and a whole lot more. How much does it cost to become a PBX Club member? Well, it's free. Just go to freepbxclub.com. That's freepbxclub.com. There's even a link in the show notes for this episode. FreePBXClub.com. PBX Pickleball Excellence. Join the club. It's free.